start with a, a cute little funny story. I think we just got to jump right in. Lamentations chapter 3 is a, a passage I have loved since I first met Jesus when I was 14 years old. It may be the passage I go to most in my life. It's a verse that literally comes to my heart almost every day of my life. His mercies are new every morning. This book written by a man named Jeremiah, a man known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah um, ministered to Jerusalem, to, to um, Judah, the southern kingdom, at the end of its empire. God told him he would see his nation fall. And he did see. He watched his home. He watched his neighbors. He watched a great war that would burn his homeland to dirt. He saw the temple of his God taken down brick by brick. And Israel was not just any nation. This was God's holy people. They had the promise that if they obeyed the Lord, they would know prosperity. And the people never. They never followed. They never cared. I remember when I first read the story of Judah and Jerusalem, I was waiting for the people to repent and for God to swoop in and save the day. That's the way the movie always goes, right? At the end of the movie, the good guy swoops down and saves the day. And you read, and the city falls. And as a, as a young man, when I first read the Old Testament, I was heartbroken. Well, Lamentations is a poem Jeremiah writes in the aftermath of the fall of his home. Now, the beginning and the end of the poem are a national lament. All the language is plural. We are sad. We have been cast down. But in Lamentations 3, Jeremiah gets personal. This is how I feel about this. This is where my heart is right now. The first movement he makes in verse 16, he says, He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. He earned his name, the weeping prophet. The picture he paints is that of a desperate and broken man. My teeth grind on the gravel, defeated on the ground. I am cowering in ashes. There has been a fire, and I'm hiding in the destruction of what is left. My soul is bereft of peace. There's, there's nothing good left inside of me. I have forgotten what happiness is. It has been dark so long, I forgot what the light looks like. That's where he starts. We start today in a moment of defeat, desperation, brokenness. Now, it's January 1st, 2023. I don't know how your year was. There's an old song I used to like when I was in high school. The lyric says, It's been a long December, and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. 
New Year's are funny things. New Year, new is a very powerful thing. New, new is hope. A new year is a chance to do something different than last year. And so we make these, uh, what do you call those things? Resolutions. We make promises, right? Um, often they're health-related, or maybe they're relational. I'm gonna, maybe it's um, our emotional health. I'm going to stream less or watch less TV. I'm going to spend more time with the family. I'm going to call my mama more, whatever it is. We make these promises. We want to make our life better than it was the year before. Jeremiah is in a place of great defeat. He has lost most of his hope. He says in verse 18, My endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. My strength has failed me, and my hope in God is almost all gone. It's almost all gone. And then he says, though, in the midst of this emotional moment, in verse 21 he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So Jeremiah, in the midst of this great sorrow, makes a choice. I'm going to remember a truth to bring hope back into my dark heart. And here's the reality. Emotions, they're real, okay? They're powerful things, right? But in our culture, we have kind of, I think there was a time back in the 50s, 60s, there was the idea of like, hide your emotions, everything's fine, stuff it all down. And then we, a reaction has been now to let every feeling have its, like air every feeling. Follow your heart, trust your gut, but that's not the truth either because our emotions can lead us to bad places. Our emotions are not always true. They're powerful. They feel big. There's times... <laughs> I will use a very simple illustration. There are times I absolutely cannot stand my dog. Stupid dog. Just, just, I'm just, she, she will eat something, she will sneak in, she will poop in front of the door, going outside, and I'm like, stupid dog. Like, at that moment, the feeling is, why did I buy a dog? What was I thinking? But listen, that, that emotion, that emotional explosion of feeling isn't the truth. I do care about the animal I have. I do, I do like Sunny. I talked about her a few times from this pulpit. Feelings are big, though, and they feel so big. But Jeremiah says, I'm going to go beyond my feelings to the truth. I'm going to remember what is true about God. This is why in Israel's history, they would always leave memorials wherever they went as reminders of what God had done. Even the festivals of Israel were meant to remind them of who God is and what God had done for them. It's why remembering is so potent. It's one of the reasons why we encourage, I would encourage you right now, if you've never tried to journal about you and God and, and just your prayer life, your spiritual development, I encourage you to journal in some way. Personally, I love writing in my Bible what God's teaching. I just write little notes in the Bible with little dates. I have in the basement, my basement, my house, I have like six Bibles in a row all rubber band together because they fell apart. Bibles, you use them too, not enough. The pages fall out. I got rubber band together in the basement. If you open those Bibles, you will see a story of a young man seeking after the Lord. 
being changed by the Lord. And that, that I can open those Bibles up and see, I remember when God taught me this. I remember when I was this dark kind of God, and he answered my cry, and it helps you remember what God has done. You've got to write that stuff down somewhere because it's easy to forget. When the emotions are loud, it's easy to forget. I have felt this way before, and God showed up then, which means he's going to take and show up again. He says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What does he remember? What does Jeremiah remember that brings hope back to him in the midst? Listen, the city's destroyed. Babylon has won the war. What truth could possibly comfort his soul? The city's gone. It ain't come back in his lifetime. Jeremiah will die in exile. An immigrant, a migrant in a foreign land. What could possibly comfort his soul? This is what he remembers, verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The reason I love this passage so much the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, it never stops, it never stops going. And he says, the mercies never come to an end. His forgiveness, his kindness never come to an end. They're new every morning. And what I've done in my personal life is very simple. I, because of this passage, no joke, because of this passage right here, I go to bed early. So I wake up early. So I want to meet God in the morning. I don't know what it is about the morning. I don't know what it is about the rising of the sun. But every time I see that sun coming up over the clouds or out of the sky, I remember God's mercies reset today for me. There is, like, you ever have a day where you're just done? I was cleaning the garage. I was cleaning the garage a few uh, a few months ago, and I have this in my garage. I have this um, organizational box. I have little drawers in it, and in the drawers are all these screws. Right? There's wood screws and metal screws and all kinds of screws. Outdoor, indoor. I have different like you know flathead or crazy star heads, and, and then they, all different links, and they're all in little tiny drawers, all organized beautifully. Right? And I was cleaning the garage, organizing. I took it and I put it on the edge of my workbench. And I'm doing stuff. Da -da 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 -da, and I go to turn, knock it. And when it hits the ground, it's just everywhere. Just screws everywhere. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't deal with it. I just closed the garage, went inside. I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. And going to sleep renews. like what It's like it can... It, it gives you some of your stuff back, right? You wake up in the morning, some of your strength is back, some of your hope is back. I'm like, I can tackle it in a new day, but today I'm done. And so every time I see the sun, I remember this promise. God's like, my mercy is new every morning. Whenever that sun comes up, it is a new day, a new opportunity. This truth for my personal life I know in the Bible, rainbows are a promise from God, right? God told Noah, 
I'll never build the whole world ever again. But I treat the sunrise the same way. When I see the sunrise, I'm like, look at God's faithfulness. Every day he brings the sun up for us to give us light, to give us health. And listen, the sun gives us health, in case you don't know this. There's a reason this winter is so hard for us. We, we are in, when the winter comes, it's cold. We stay inside. We're, out, we're away from the sun. And the sun, being in the sunlight is good for our soul. Like me and the kids, uh, we had this storm last you know, week. And we knew we wanted to get at least one sledding opportunity in before the snow melted. And we, we were out there as it was melting. It was still awesome. But being out in the sun, there's something powerful being in God's creation. His mercy is new every morning. The sunrise to me, it has been become a source of great hope. Because of this truth that God's mercy is every morning, I want to give you three very simple applications. Because God's mercies never end. Because every day is a new chance to experience God's goodness, here's three very simple applications. One, turn to Jesus. This is what I mean by this. Shame is a powerful thing. And when you mess up and you fail in your life, it's very, very... The natural reaction is to run. Often in our greatest mistakes, when I blow my life at the most, when I, in that moment, I need God more than I've ever needed before. And what do I do? I run from Him. I run from His people, I run from His Word, and I run from His Spirit. Here's the reality of things. If you're hearing about with addiction, you know what this is like. To use and hate yourself for using. And to go to God saying, God, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And what do we do? We do it again. And over time, we've been thinking to ourselves, how many times can I say I'm sorry? When will God get tired of me limping through my life? And the great news of God's patience keep on coming back. His love is not like our love. Like, like In the world, we get tired of one another. We annoy each other. We, we let each other down. We betray one another. There is no one on this planet who's not going to fail us, and there's no one you're not going to fail. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. There's no superheroes down here. I love my wife, I love my kids, and they love me. I fail them. And if I try to make my wife my everything, no one can carry that expectation. That's not fair to your spouse. You're trying to make your kids be your everything. They're going to leave you. They, if, if you do anything good with your kids, they're going to leave. If they stay, you're done messed up. I'm not trying to be too mean. Like, I'm being, I'm being overly simple. I'm saying our goal is want them to stand up and kind of leave the, 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 the umbrella of our protection. We want them to go out and do something. That's a hard thing, them leaving. When my, I remember my, first, my, my daughter took her, started crawling, I remember after that moment, it's like she's crawling away from me. That early, independent crawling and then walking. I can, I can pick my own clothes. I remember one day the, the boy and the girl together 
He used to walk him into class every day for school. I'd drop him off and walk him into the classroom. And one day they'd just go, Dad, we want to walk in by ourselves. And it's like, <laughs> you can't make the kids your everything because they're going to leave too. In this life, and not only do people leave, not only do they get tired of us, not only do they move away, friendships grow old. Good friends become old friends. People can betray you. We can hurt someone, they cannot forgive us because of what we did. That happens. But the Lord's love is not like our love. We, we can't forgive, we hold grudges, we get annoyed, but the Lord says every stinking day, I have new grace for you. For the failures and for the addicts, we, our families may say, I'm tired of dealing with you. But the Lord is not this way. There have been times in my life where I have, I have fumbled the ball. I have felt like a failure. A failure. I let everybody down. I deserve, if everyone leaves me, I deserve it. And that shame you want to hide. Even from God. I can't touch a God, look what I did. That's the moment we need the most. There are moments in my life where I have survived the long night. Just wrestling all night long, waiting for the sun to come. So I'm like, Lord, it's like he's closer when the sun comes out. It's weird. And the reason God, the reason his grace is so unending is because of the truth of Jesus. Christ dies. The song we sang how no one can climb the hill to Calvary. Jesus climbs the hill, and he dies that we may live. The cross is this, is this incredible act of sacrifice and love, and it's Christ saying, essentially, like, when he says, it is finished, he's not joking around. It is truly finished. Our sin and our failure is dealt with, and we can come before him through Christ. Because his mercy is every morning, I want to encourage you, turn to Jesus. Even if you have been phoning it all year, turn to Jesus. Even if you've been living in stupid, rebellion, awful sin that no one knows about, it's not too late to turn back. We have a recovery service every Tuesday or every other Tuesday here at church at Flint City. And one of the things we say with our addicts, and that's something I love that we say, we say, if you ain't dead, you ain't done. And we mean it. There's breath in your lungs. The story is not over. I could drive the wrong way for 15 years. And because of the grace and goodness of Christ, if I turn to him, it's like he's right there waiting. I thought I ran a thousand miles. And he's, he's with me the whole time waiting for me to turn back. Turn to Jesus. I also want to say this. Because his mercy is every morning, we can turn to him. But it also means we have hope. There's an old, that old uh, hymn. What's it say? The bright hope for tomorrow. After we live through a few disappointments, or through a few failures, it can be easy to stop having hope for a better tomorrow. 
There's a movie, a very, uh, very good movie called The Shawshank Redemption. It's about these people in prison. And the main character says this line. He says, hope is a dangerous thing in a place like this. Some of us, we're afraid of having hope. My life's been so hard for so long, I'm tired of being disappointed, so I'll just stop hoping for good. I'll just say, life's going to be bad, and that'll make life easier. That, that's a very defeatist attitude, right? Yes. But this, is what, this is what he says. Jeremiah says this. Jeremiah says, man, my soul is my, my, my soul's bowed down within me. He's like, my hope from the Lord has perished. But because the Lord's his portion, in verse 24, he says, therefore I will hope in God. Because the Lord is my portion, I can hope in him. Which means, even in the bad, and even in the aftermath of our own stupidity, we can have hope that God is not done with us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible I have a lot of favorite verses, apparently. But one of my favorites as well. Jonah 1.1. Jonah's a prophet of God. Jonah 1.1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Then Jonah runs away. After all the mess he gets into, after God chases him, brings him back, Jonah kneels. Jonah 3.1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love that. Even though he blew it, God was not done with him. Jeremiah says, man, even in the midst of everything I've lost, there's a truth that gives me hope still. And that hope is in the grace of God, that the, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the patience of Jesus, it's enough to sustain and carry me. Which means we, there was a time in my life, there was a time in my life, where I let go of hope. Where I said to myself, you know what, life sucks, life is hard, it's just the way it is, I will never, I will serve the Lord here, I will die, I'll go home, and then it'll be better. Very fatalistic, very pessimistic. But very wrong. But here's the deal. Life had been so hard, it had beat the hope out of me. It beat the hope out of me. Beat the hope out of me, okay? Now here's the deal. It can feel that way. It can feel that way. He says, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope in the Lord. It can feel like I have no hope left. But if Christ, if Christ died that we may live, and if Christ reigns in heaven, and if Christ is in control, and he's bringing all creation to a point, I can trust him and turn to him. If he truly has forgiveness for me in the aftermath, it means maybe my life can be different. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's something still there. Even for someone as awful as me, we can still hope. I don't know what your, your year was like last year. I don't know the losses or the wins. But we are allowed to hope for the good things God gives. We're allowed to hope for friendship. We're allowed to hope for things like 
their jobs. I'm not saying, I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm just saying, you're allowed to pray and say, Lord, man, I'm barely making it. I need to get a better job. And you start praying and applicationing all over the place. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to hope for something better. It's not evil or wrong. Because his mercies every morning, we can, try, we can turn to the Lord. We should hope in the Lord. And I would say this as I end. Take a step of faith. If we can have hope, if God is not done with us, if every morning his grace is new to us once again, I can try again. I can try. I can, instead of walking around defeated, beaten, broken, I can put my hand to the plow and push once again. Whatever it might be, whatever your thing is, if you've got a dream God gave you and you, it, it, it's, you put it down for 10 years, you're allowed to take a, you're allowed to take a new step into that dream. His mercy is new every morning. His, like every day God gives is a chance to live the life God's called you to live. I don't got to be all the things I was yesterday. Every single day is an invitation to actually follow, to actually love. Man, I've got a terrible prayer life. You've got to stay there. I don't read the Bible. You don't got to stay there. Every day is a chance to get a step towards the good, a step towards the Lord, a step towards Jesus. This passage, this scripture for me, I am, um, uh, one of my mentors once told me, um, I've had some epic failures in my life. I've swung the bat and missed the ball. Like, um, how do you say it? You know, in baseball, you see a guy swing so hard he falls down. That's a good miss. Uh, I've done that. I've swung with everything I got, miss, and fall down. So I want you to miss. Everyone laughs at you. I, I have failed. I was in New York City once, in Times Square, and I'm playing a game of Can Jam in Times Square. So I'm playing a Frisbee game, me and a partner with someone else, right? And a crowd draws around us. A crowd! Watch us play this stupid Frisbee game. And we're like tied. We're, we're overtime, back and forth. And again, you throw a frisbee, and your partner's got to like dunk the frisbee into the bucket. Really weird game. So they scored both buckets. That was our turn. So I, I throw it to him. He dunks it. Great. So you got to throw it to me. I got to dunk it. Keep the game going. The crowd's around. You know, everyone's cheering. And it's like in your life, you, you, you want the moment, right? The cheering. <laughs> Nesto. You want, you dream of that moment, right? On the shoulders, oh, like you get, so it's, I mean, it's happening, it's happening. There may be, there may be a hundred people watching. It's like, it's, and so I'm like, come on, partner, if we can do it, we can do it. So he throws the frisbee, whoosh, and I'm there, and all I do is dunk the frisbee in the bucket, right? Now, it's, listen, it's, it's Times Square, there's lights everywhere, it's dark out, it's dark, it's nighttime, there's people, and I'm waiting for the frisbee. And I don't know what happened. It's like, I don't know what happened. But all I know is it hits me in the head and falls down. And everybody laughs. Like the whole crowd. And I'm like, this is my life. Like, this is, this is, 
this is what happens. No. And like that moment, you feel embarrassed. You said, that's a silly story. But in life, I have, I have failed in real ways. Not just silly ways. I've failed in real ways. I've let people I love down tremendously. I've let down my parents. I've let down my church. I've let down my family. I've let people down. And I have, I remember in the aftermath of my failure, felt like Jeremiah felt just like, I feel no peace in my soul. I feel, I feel like I'm cowering in ashes. There's like nothing left good in here. I just am so alone. And in that moment, you just want to hide and run. But this single text reminds me that whenever the sun comes up, I can turn back to the Lord. I can put down the addiction put down the sin, put down my pride, put down my failure, put down the fear, put down my idols of success. And say, you know what? That did happen yesterday. But your mercy is new today. I can go towards you now. It is a new year. I don't know what your goal is. We're going to be preaching a series starting next week. The series we're preaching through in January is called How to Be a Person. It's a series I'm working on for the last 10 years. It is going to really give directions for the next year of our church. I hope you make plans to come these next four weeks or watch online if you have to watch online. But these next four sermons are going to give us a direction for our entire year as a church, and I hope in your life personally, they will spark something in you that gives you a hunger for Jesus. That you will be discontented with your own apathy. You'll say, you know what, I'm tired of phoning this stuff in. I want it to be real. Because mercy is new every morning. I may have phoned it in and played the game for a long time. But every day we live on this planet is a chance to make it real. We want to end our time with communion today. Communion is this thing the church has been doing for 2,000 years. On the night when Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he took the cup and he passed it around and everyone ate the bread and drank the cup. And Jesus said, when you eat this bread, drink this cup. You do this until I return. And it reminds us of his death. It reminds us of his blood. It reminds us that one day he will return. And so we do this. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. Looking backwards to what he did for us. Looking forward to the day he comes and makes everything right. So who can take communion today? You don't got to be a member of Flint City to take communion. If you're here visiting from some other church, you can take communion. It's okay. You do have to love Jesus. If you're here and you don't know what you think about Jesus, maybe you're here and you and Jesus, you know, you're, maybe you're mad at God, don't take communion today. Let the thing pass by you. No one's watching. There's no video cameras. I'm, just like, I'm not going to zoom in later on like, so-and-so didn't take communion. Like, it's, you're, you have freedom in the Lord, okay? I have let the, I've let the, in my life, I let the plate pass if I have things going on in my soul. But if you're here and you love Jesus, I encourage you, to share this one with us, okay? So, this, so I'm going to ask our people to come forward. I asked some of the ladies to help us out. Um, now, so when you get the cup, hold on to the cup. 
don't open it yet, just take it and hold it and wait for all of us. We're going to take communion together. So um, we're going to play and let's wait as communion is passed. that we may live. 
ever being born, for walking around this planet for 33 years, for showing us what it meant to be human through your compassion and your kindness, your long-suffering, your boldness against religious structures. We take this bread and drink this cup. We remember that you died. And we long for the day when you return, O oh Lord. And you make all the crooked ways straight. You right all the wrongs. There will be no more death and no more weeping and no more sickness. So Lord, your mercy in every morning and for this we give you praise. All glory, honor, and praise to your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.